putting together a show. It's a place where people can see things they've never seen before. <laughs> okay. Who's that? And what is your act? I don't have an act. Everyone's got an act. People aren't going to like it if you put us on stage. Oh, I'm counting on it. Well, I believe those are the words of a scoundrel. A showman. Whistling just a showman. Don't listen to them. They don't understand yet. But they will. So tell me, do you want to go? Where it's covered in all the colored lights. Where the runaways are running the night. Impossible comes through. It's taking over you. Does it bother you that everything you're selling is fake? Do these smiles seem fake? Hello and welcome to the Vertical Viewing Podcast from Vancouver, British Columbia. This is episode number 149. Ooh. We're close. We are. My name is Scott. My name is Michael. Nice. Red is not here, conveniently away, <laughs> because we're reviewing a romantic comedy at his request. It was, this was all his idea. Well, you know, we'll we'll do it justice oh. for him uh today's episode we're going to catch up on the films and tv shows we've been watching before our featured review of love actually we're doing this i can't the believe romantic comedy i think that's actually how it was marketed at one point it just says like the ultimate romantic comedy when it's a christmas film so yep that also explains why we're here i've had a lot of questions uh, a lot of strange looks why are you doing this? Why are you throwing your life away? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But. You can subscribe to all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or the podcast software of your choice. You can go to our website, verticalviewing.com. There's a donate button there. You can help us offset the cost of seeing movies, putting on the show. Keeping the lights on. Keeping the lights on, renting out a slice of the internet, putting it in your ear like internet pie. Mm, internet pie. Also, if you go to verticalviewing.com, you can check out the most recent article I wrote for the site. This one is called A Brief History of Christopher Nolan's Necklace TV. Which is amazing. I think you should check it out if you haven't already. Basically, every photo of Christopher Nolan when he's on set, he's peering into this weird little TV thing hanging from his neck. And you might have asked, what the fuck is that? You probably didn't, though. You really, you definitely... You never really cared. You may have assumed it was something it isn't. <laughs> but, you, you you know, you didn't care until now. So go to verticalviewing.com, check that out. But if you want to help us offset the cost of seeing movies, putting on the show on a long-term basis, not just on a one-night stand, is there any way to do that? Well, we got a way to do that. You just go to patreon.com slash verticalviewing. That's where we'll be. Okay. You can sign up for hydrogen, helium, or lithium level patrons. Yeah. So that's one, two, or three dollars. Yeah. Uh, one dollar gets you in the door, but if you want to actually request what we re- review, like we've got patron reviews, patron requested reviews yeah. that only you have access to yeah. for just two bucks. Yeah, we did Under the Skin. We did Dune. We did Clockwork Orange. We Like whatever yeah. you want. I think Big Lebowski's on deck. Yeah, we got all sorts of shit coming on. Thank you to Fidel for the next upcoming patron review. Yeah, if you want to get in on those, you can listen to all that stuff and then suggest what we review. For just a couple of bucks a month. It's cool. You can also go to our Instagram. No. Well, you can. It's busted. We're (laughs) shadow banned. Don't go there. Twitter, at Vertical Viewing. Our theme song is by The Anti Theory. Let's get on with the show. Let's do it. 
Mike, what is going on? Have you watched any goodies? Yeah, I've what's been, new? I am inundated with video games these days. Uh-huh. So, but I try and get uh, like because I got my SNES Classic or SNES. You know what? Write in. Let us know. Is it SNES or SNES? What's what's your preference? That the, is the ultimate debate. Um, but there's a bazillion games on that thing that I want to play through because that's my childhood. Uh, I've been playing through Destiny Two. They just released a DLC, which is they did. Bungie has shot themselves in the foot and the face with this DLC because they have cut off some of their player base by making things that you could normally do inaccessible until you buy the DLC again. Mm. They've done this before. I don't understand what they're doing. Anyway, as far as actually watching something goes, I was chilling the other day and thought, you know what? I want to put something on the television. So I'm going to watch the farthest journey, Voyager, the documentary oh. on yeah. Vo- the Voyager spacecraft. I saw this at the Vancouver International Film Festival. Yeah, man. The farthest. That's what it is. Not the, f- <laughs> the farthest. This, it's, it was really interesting. You, you like this one? I did. Like, I don't know if I would have seen it at the film festival or in a theater, but it's, it was, it's great. It was weird. I'll be honest. It's great for just sitting on your couch <laughs> and just watching them talk about Voyager. There was an old lady next to me at the festival, and um, she was really into this one and every every 30 to 40 seconds she would go oh wow oh you don't say oh <laughs> yeah mhm amazing so it was it was quite interesting for old people i guess yeah well and it just had you know it has that little trivia if you're if you're curious about it the fact that you you know a car fob has more computing power than voyager does but it's still giving us all this crazy information the seeing how like the engineering that went into designing it, I was interested in all that, but I would never, as I said, I would never have gone to see this in the theater. So Netflix on the couch is kind of the perfect spot to watch this documentary. Yeah, it it, it was one of the more interesting titles at VIF. I thought just because it's a space documentary, I'm into those. Yeah, and, and just that, like. Uh, it does a great job of telling you things that you never really knew, unless you're a super fan of Voyager, um, such as, for not example... Not Star Trek Voyager. Not Star Trek Voyager. Sorry. Spoiler, they get rid of the Borg. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but just, just how they were only okayed to study Saturn and Jupiter, and they said, well, let's build it as if we can go further. And they did. They snuck, they <laughs> snuck in all these they other... They snuck in all this shit. Like, that's super, yeah. super cool to see all these people talking about how they just said, well, you know, we were only given this much, but we're going to do more. For me, the lasting sort of impression that this movie had on me was how important Voyager is, because it might be the only remnant that it may ever exist that humans... Yeah. We're ever here, so... Blow like, ourselves up. Yeah, it, it may be the only proof that we existed if if that is the only thing that makes it out of our solar system. Like, There's New Horizons. There's a few other probes that are leaving yeah. our solar system, so... We'll see. I mean... We should keep if, doing if this. If Stephen Hawking gets his way, we'll have little <clears throat> unmanned spaceships that go explore our, our neighboring galaxies, which will be really cool. But these things are going at like 11 kilometers per second or something or even yeah. faster so that's yeah i i love that voyager is also uh inspired so many ridiculous stories too like so many alien invasion stories 
kick off because someone found the Voyager probe. <laughs> it's like, oh, they found us. Cowboys versus aliens, or Cowboys and aliens. They found the gold-plated record, so they came to Earth to steal our gold. Not a great movie, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the first Star Trek, the motion picture, I believe. Yeah, like, all this shit, which is super cool. Well, and the fact that the record's on it and stuff, it is something out of a sci-fi book, right? Like, the, we did that, and it's it's out of a sci-fi novel. Well, yeah, just imagine an alien uh, civilization getting this and then trying to decode and, and it. And playing the record with that little sort of... Trying, figuring out that it's at half speed, so they have to speed it up. Like, this is, yeah... This is contact for another alien species. Exactly. There's a cool Dan Brown novel waiting to happen on some other alien planet when they're trying to decode this stupid human satellite they found. <laughs> yes. I really want to see that. <laughs> uh, I also watched about 35 minutes of Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, well, I shut it off. <laughs> 35, uh, I think I was <laughs> not great. paying attention Three. for most of it. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is on. I need to uh, uh, wipe down some counters. I apologize if you're a Triple X fan. Uh, anybody listening to the podcast, I am not. I thought I would give it a try. I might as well wipe down some counters. <laughs> it was it was not. I'm getting older, and I don't have time for this shit. Anyway, moving on. One Punch Man. I rewatched a bunch of episodes just because it's a fantastic show. Talked about it already. If this is the first time you've heard of it, how can it, that be? Yeah, how can that be? It's available on Netflix and probably like Crunchyroll and Funimation, I'm assuming. It's an anime about a superhero who can beat everybody with one punch. It's all you need to know. Yep. And, he, and he's really bored. He's bored. So it's it deals a lot with that and how he's dealing with the fact that he's overpowered. It's a great concept. So depressed. It's so good. Oh, man. So good. And then, um, okay, so we have talked about having a segment this is a preview for everybody uh, of like watching shitty movies, which is kind of why I talked about triple X, the return of Xander cage. I couldn't do that. What I could do is almost make it through the entirety of Zoolander two. Apparently when I did have time to watch movies this week, I felt like putting crappy things on because I had other things to do. I thought Zoolander 2 might actually get better because I was initially really disappointed in the theater when I saw this one. Um, so you've actually made it through this whole movie. I've made it through this whole movie before, mainly because I paid to see it in the theater originally, so I didn't want to throw away that money, which I guess I did anyway. Fuck. Uh, yeah. What are you doing with your life, you know? No, I'm playing games. I don't know. <laughs> um, the, this I mean, does not get better on multiple watches. Kyle Mooney's the only bright spot. Nar Bobo. Yeah, right? The I ins- hate it. I love it. I hate these guys. And that's a really great sort of social moment of the of the era, right? It defines 2016 or 2017 really well. You know, this guy who's confused about... He's, he's being pulled in so many directions on, on what is cool and hip, you know? Uh, you can't be this, you can't be that, but you can be this and you can be that. Oh, yeah, and just how... All contradicting. Everything is a contradiction. The start of that scene, when he's got a shirt where they said something 15 minutes ago, and that's considered retro. Like, yeah. that's how fast yeah, things yeah. move. So, like, that, that, that is probably the best scene. Kristen Wiig is, is fantastic as her character, uh, like, just her acting with all of the prosthetics oh, yeah. and stuff. But the rest of this is so bad. I don't know exactly what went wrong, except the timing for everything is off. Like scenes linger a little too long. We, like I don't. It's just not 
It doesn't land. It doesn't work. Uh, so yeah, I watched shitty movies this week. You could have watched Briggs Be Bear. Yep, totally could have. Starring Kyle Mooney. Mother is uh, hitting digital and Blu-ray soon. You, I, you can watch Mother, which is one of the films of the year. Yeah, but I can't multitask when I watch those movies. You can't wipe the counter down. It's true. I'm not going to be doing dishes while watching Mother. Yeah. That counter is not uh, so bolted in, so it's, it's, gonna, it's not supported. It's going to fall. Yeah, I... You didn't watch anything else, that's it? No, I no, watched... No actual goodies, eh? Uh, hold on. Am I forgetting something? Other than the farthest. Like, yeah, the farthest was interesting. No, that's it. Okay, well, I watched Star Wars The Force Awakens. Okay. For the second time on a full rewatch. Only the second time? I think so. So maybe second and, and a half. And uh, it didn't go well. Oh, no. Did not go well at all. Uh, I text Rick about this. Our friend of the show, co-host Rick Chung, and he said that Star Wars: Force Awakens is incredible on your first go around, but the second time around, it uh, is quite, quite shitty. Interesting. You don't agree? Well, I can't say I've watched it through fully. Like I, I own it. Yeah. I picked up the Blu-ray. Uh, it's also on Netflix, so, so I just. Uh, Not for long. What I have done is just throw up bits and pieces and just watch those. Mm-hmm. So I haven't actually watched the whole thing front to back yeah. in a while. Yeah, so it turns into a Men in Black movie about 40 minutes in, and that is painful. What? Where they're on this derelict uh, salvage ship. Oh, yeah. That is, and oh. Han Solo has got some sort of um, reptar or something like that. It, it's really, really, really bad. Rolling balls of <clears throat> mouth. Mucus and... and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's men in black, straight up. And the, the sort of coincidental nature of the plot and how everybody just happens to be at the right place at the right time and stuff, and it, it doesn't really feel like a movie, The Force Awakens. When you, when you step back from it and watch it just as like a front-to-back film... Um, I don't really know what the hell's going on because it's not really, it's not really a movie. If that that doesn't make any sense, I know it doesn't. Oh, I think it hits all those points though. Like it, <sighs> I'd say, I'd argue it technically qualifies as a movie. It feels so controlled, right? Mm. It feels so inseparable from the conditions in which it was made, and it doesn't feel like a movie that I can just separate out and plunk in and. I mean, you said you haven't watched it all the way through. I, I feel like not many people do. It doesn't seem like one that people throw on on a rewatch, typically. All the Maz Kanata stuff is terrible. Yeah, that's a weird point in the film. Um, the, 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 there's a lot that can go. It, it's, it doesn't hold up as, as well. It, uh, and I'm, now I'm worried about The Last Jedi because I believe that I'm going to have a great time when I see this and never watch it again. And if I do, it won't hold up. And now I'm worried that I'm fucking myself over and I'm not even going to get the benefit of well, I mean, my first time enjoyment. Well, look at it this way. We're in a conundrum here, how many, ladies and how, gentlemen. There, there's very few activities that aren't just like are, are not as good the f- second time as they are. Wait, hold on. There are very yeah, few okay, activities okay. I, I, you can, that are just as good the second time as they are the first. 
movies get better on a rewatch. Some do. Some do. The, 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 the very best ones do, in fact. That's true. Uh, I don't want to shit on The Force Awakens. It's a great movie. It's hard to judge it outside of the context of I think what it, it is and when it was made. And maybe The Last Jedi is more of a standalone movie that doesn't have as much of a responsibility to uh, correct previous errors yeah. and redirect the ship it's, and course it, corrections and all sorts of baggage that goes along with it, right? <laughs> the, the ice has been broken. The girls and the boys are dancing at the... You know, they're not on the side. Everything's going good now with Star Wars, right? Yeah, Force Awakens had some heavy lifting to do. Fixing the prequels, but also setting up the new stuff. I think for what it did... We can go it, nuts now. It's re- Yeah, it's totally reasonable. Um, but I did watch a new movie this week, and I, I, I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about it, but I'm, I'm not embargoed. So I'm just going to talk about The Greatest Showman. Oh, right, the musical. Starring Hugh Jackman. Uh, P.T. Barnum. He's playing P.T. Barnum here, who was a total dick. Okay? If you don't know who P.T. Barnum created the idea of uh, exploiting people for money and putting them into circuses and circus freaks and whatnot, come and see this crazy bearded lady and this 10-foot-tall man. man. Yeah, and a lot of it was all bullshit, right? So he would swindle people. He's a classic snake oil salesman. Um, All of his stuff was fake. You know, he took a monkey's head and sewed it onto a fish body and said, this is a mermaid. Really? And charged people to see it and stuff. So P.T. Barnum himself, total dick. The movie, though, didn't hate it. Really? You're not, you're not usually a big fan of musicals. No, and there's a shit ton of music. Every, like it's one of those musicals where it's every five minutes, maybe not even. So like it's a full on musical. Yeah, where the the pace of songs is is rapid and 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 numbers go on for twenty minutes, right? Where mm. they keep refraining yeah. back to the same lyrics and. You think you're done with a song, and then they'll just be like, look out, because here I come. And, oh, we're still in this same number, like 20 minutes later, and we're still part of the same musical number. I, I did really like a lot of the musical numbers. People are going nice. to really go for that aspect of it, because it's extravagant. It's in the circus. It's a good show. Yeah, it's a good show. Zendaya's looks really cool spinning around in her, uh, you know, hoop, hula hoop in the sky and hmm. flying around on ropes. And Zac Efron is, he knows what's up. He's a good singer, so I'm sure he had some good. Well, he's, he's just got that, like, high school musical kind of vibe. That's how he got started. <laughs> Maybe he should be in a series of films that are, you know, based on high school musicals or something. What would we call them? <clears throat> uh, yeah. And then Hugh Jackman is your, your usual... Wolverine, yeah. Vaudevillian fucking guy. I mean, all of this stuff is fine. The subject matter is very poor because, like, this guy is a total dick. He exploited people with disabilities to become super rich. And and they don't deal with that at all? In the this? movie barely touches on this, and everything was a lie. And, and sometimes his kids will say, like, but daddy... you." you you lie for a living and there's like oh honey uh it's the movie does not want to go into any mm. details about how sketchy how of a person he actually is. pt barnum really was you know one of the og snake oil salesmen right um 
And there's a part in the movie where I was just thinking it was the movie sets up this scene and it doesn't deliver, but it's the audience. You can almost imagine them saying it. Uh, he's talking to a critic outside of his theater and the, you know, circus was a some sort of it was a deranged circus is what the critic described his uh, his theatrical act as. And he says, oh, I like that word you used. And I'm thinking, what, deranged? No, circus. No, circus. So then that is where he came up with calling it... A circus. A circus. The the movie is... Uh, it's not good. I, I'm seeing it being a pretty big hit, though. Interesting. Well, I'm going to go see it. I actually kind of look forward to it. If the, if the musical numbers are good, that's why people are going to go see it anyway. Mm-hmm. Michelle Williams, as usual, getting sh- like shafted as a character... Really? Yeah, the female characters really not not so good here, hmm. and it's it's trying to give this really positive message of oh you know people who are different you know they don't deserve to be obviously you know ostracized for their you know their looks or their appearance and stuff and hey let's celebrate them so it's sort of trying to have this really positive message when it's. Even though they are being exploited. <laughs> exactly. There's that perspective of just, hey, these are people exploited for financial gain and P.T. Barnum like made like millions of dollars off these people. I think if you do the inf- adjustment. Like, uh, adjustment for inflation, I think it was like $40,000 a day or something in, in today's money. And, and yeah, the guy was milking it. Um, wow. The, yeah, the, the movie is problematic from a historical standpoint works quite well from a musical perspective but the music is really poppy Mm. not into it it sometimes doesn't work for the subject matter being in like 1855 or something and interesting it's very britney spearsy anachronistic (laughs) it's fine but it's poppy as fuck the greatest showman I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. So is that a worth checking out, or...? If you like musicals, this thing will beat you up and smash you out. <laughs> You'll love this shit. All right. I also watched Spectral. Yes, you did! Uh, one of the best movies of 2016, is that what yeah. it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Sp- Spectral, if you don't know what Spectral is, it's a mix. Uh, it's Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. It's Black Hawk Down. Yep. It is... Um. Yeah, that's it. Right? <laughs> it's a video. Yeah, you know what this is, actually, folks? Spectral is maybe one of the greatest video game movies ever produced. Yeah. And it's totally not, what it feels like. It's not based on a video game at all. It's uh, set in Eastern Europe, I guess, during some futuristic war between some the Civil War type deal. And It's not even that futuristic. Yeah, I guess not. The, the vehicles look dope. There's kind of some... Some nice APC. Cool going looking on. AP. Yeah, I like APC uh, porn's good. Uh, <laughs> and there's these weird ghost creatures that I, I forgot how it related to James Badge Dale, the yeah the protagonist. League. Like he designed these goggles, right? And the, it's the goggles that are first revealing these the ghostly images. So like these dudes are just dying, just of some strange. They don't know how. Unexplained phenomena. And then they find out, oh, these goggles can see these weird spirits. And 
it becomes a super cool Ghostbusters Black Hawk Down movie, and it goes full balls to the wall video game mode at the end with these crazy robots and shit. Remember yeah, those weird man. dog? It, it's like an anime thing, and they and they finally develop a way to fight back against these these weird ghost things, and they're wearing ceramic armor and. What it, it's awesome. What this movie is great. Everyone should see it. Just watch it. If you haven't seen it already, watch Spectral. It's on Netflix. It's distributed by Netflix. It was legendary pictures, right? So it yeah. had all of the big studio logos on the front of it, but it got dumped very late in the game, right? A month or two before yes. a summer release. They just said, nope. No. And it's a, it's a shame. I would have loved to have seen this in the theater. And I think it it works on a big screen, I think. The, it totally would. The effects are the effects really are good. good. Like, this is a good-looking movie. And I love that it's it's okay, so it's sci-fi, and they treat this from a science perspective. But there's also, well, there's a supernatural element too. Like, we what are they actually ghosts? It's, it's so, so brilliant. So that they they throw both aspects of that, and they deal with that so well in this movie. It's, it's maybe one of the best movies I've ever seen to balance, uh, um, sort of a spiritual aspect and a science fiction yeah. aspect like perfectly, like riding the line right in between, and almost having them it coexist right with the plot it's it's, so it's really smart and i feel like a lot of just poor casting some clunky screenwriting and right before the final act right before it gets super good again as we're setting up the third act there is some of the worst adr i've ever seen in a movie where oh, really? It, it's it's all off screen, and and whenever we cut back to the protagonist, his his mouth is not matching. They're cutting around him talking because they are just making up. It, you can tell they're just making up new story <laughs> that, that wasn't recorded on set. It it feels like such a desperate attempt to redirect the plot, but it it all works. It's hmm. the ADR does fuck you up though. If you look for it. Uh, yeah, I didn't notice that the first time around. I'll have to don't, check it again. Don't look for it. <laughs> yeah, Spectral is amazing. The, the, the art direction in, in Spectral is so good. Like Everything is designed and it looks awesome. This one sequence with this tank with a one of these projectors. Yeah. It's almost like some big floodlight that can illuminate these weird spirits. And they're leaving these badass trails as they're bouncing along these walls and... It's it's pretty good, everybody. Nobody knows about this movie, and I feel like a lot of people would give it a pass because it does feel kind of second rate, especially at the beginning when it says Netflix presents on the opening credits like that. Yeah. If I was a director, I wouldn't be fond of yeah. Netflix presents on my movie. I don't know, Beasts of No Nation. Yeah, you just need theatrical releases for this stuff. I think that's it for me. Is, is that it? Do we have to... I think that's it. Now we gotta... Oh, no. It, this is gonna be an interesting segment. Cause... We gotta go to the arrivals <laughs> area of Heathrow Airport. Yeah, where we can see real love. Oh, no.
Hello, does Natalie live here? Oh. Right, fine, thank you. Sorry to disturb. Yeah, aren't you the Prime Minister? Uh, yes, in fact I am. Merry Christmas. Oh. Part of the service now. I'm trying to get round everyone by New Year's Eve. Ah, oh. oh, hello. Uh, does Natalie live here? No, she doesn't. Oh dear, okay. Are you singing carols? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Please, sir, please, please. All right. Yay! Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen when, when the, the snow lay round about, deep, deep and crisp and even. Brightly shone the moon that night. So that was a clip from Love Actually, the ultimate romantic comedy. Hmm. Follows seemingly unrelated people as their lives begin to intertwine while they fall in and out of love. Affections languish and develop as Christmas draws near. Okay, I guess. Yeah, that sort of describes it. Love Actually is written and directed by Richard Curtis. And it stars Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Kira Knightley, Martine McCutcheon, Bill Nye. Not, not the science Bill guy. Nye. But he's just as good, right? And Rowan Atkinson. And others. Mr. Bean. Yeah, she the, was for. <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. I'd, I'd like to actually do Freeman. a breakdown of... Who is in what franchise, right? These are the Harry Potter actors. <laughs> These And see what Venn diagrams overlap, right? These are the Marvel actors. These people are in Star Wars films. This thing's a humongous Pulp Fiction It's one hell of an ensemble. Ensemble cast. Love Actually is in the uh, pantheon of romantic comedies. People really love this one. Yeah, like uh, we're probably going to tear at some critical holes maybe. but oh, uh, but yeah. People don't love it for that reason. Like, there's there's lots of things that people like this for. They love it because it has one of those cue card scenes where... That that famous y- cue card y- scene? Y- y- yeah, just ripping Bruce Springsteen off. Is that... Rick from uh, Walking Dead doing, yeah, doing yeah. his thing. He know? looks super young in this. He's so young. Andrew Lincoln is so little. Like, this is 2003, so that's... Where are we? 14 years ago. This is an old movie, ladies and gentlemen. And um, But it's become a Christmas classic. That's why we've selected it. It's just set during... I mean, it is kind of about the giving spirit and... Yeah, it's just around Christmas. It doesn't like, necessarily like, need to be. It's just like... that's. It's like Die Hard, right? Die Hard isn't really a Christmas movie. It just happens at Christmas. Um, I know the way I phrase that could get us some flack. Oh, fuck off! But I'm tired of all these. There's no spirit of hot cr- takes about no Die Hard. S- there's no spirit of Christmas stuff going on. Like it, it's not a Christmas focused movie. It's just at Christmas, and I rec- I recognize that it's a. I consider it a Christmas movie just because it takes place around Christmas, right? It's one you watch around that time of year. Love Actually is the same thing, just instead of being an action, it's a romantic comedy. I know you weren't a huge fan of this, so I'm just going to say what I liked about <laughs> you, it. You like this movie? I enjoy watching this movie. You know, it makes me pretty happy. Um, mainly because it, it covers all the different types of love, and I find that very interesting. Like, most romantic comedies, they focus on one or two things. 
And this just tries really hard. It doesn't necessarily succeed in everything, but it, it tries to show all the different facets, like uh, f- family love, um, you know, so siblings, uh, unrequited, just friends, like all that different, all the different types of love that exist. It just tries to showcase that in different stories that sort of overlap. I think that's an interesting idea. Um, and there was more to this film. Uh, like Rowan Atkinson's only in this for two scenes. Uh, but he in the original, I don't know if in the original cut, but the, the screenplay, he, he's actually the angel of love. Like he's supposed to show up hmm. in everybody's uh, story and push them in a certain way. But in, it, there wasn't time for that. So in the final uh, cut. That, that, that explains one of the scenes where he's taking forever to wrap a present and okay, I, I I get what's going on. Yeah. He's, it's kind of working for the adjustment bureau, basically. Yeah, that's exactly what his oh, character dude, is. You know what I'd like? I'd like a Christmas version of the adjustment bureau. Do you like the adjustment bureau? I love it. Okay, good. I'm there with you. Oh man, that's the story <laughs> for another day. Yeah. Okay, that, I, I kind of dig that. Mr. Bean's character makes a little more sense now. Yeah, in, in this cut, it's a little con- in like this why is he there? Cut. What is there? Some three hour cut of Love Actually out there? Oh, probably that nobody has seen. That's the actual love, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's it's fun. The, the relationships uh, relationships are super charming. Uh, like the the little kid who is now Jojen Reed on Game of Thrones <laughs> with the, with the drums. Ah, fuck. I'm just gonna talk about that, that. Works for you? Yeah, man. That is. Awful. He's a little. He's a little kid that wants to impress a girl. Why doesn't he just? Here's here's a crazy idea. Why doesn't he just fucking talk to her? Why does the expectation have to be that this girl would only would only have the time of day for this guy if he has some sort of skill to impress her her silly expectations? Like, why doesn't he just say hello? I mean, the idea being there that he is so dedicated to love that he's willing to learn an instrument just to have a chance to impress this girl or and meet a the girl of his dreams and and he has to learn a skill that yeah th- that mean, shows his commitment to to love here i mean I, it is kind of a nice sentiment but it makes no sense and that's the problem for me with this movie is that all these characters behave in they're all archetypes like it's not but they they're, they're empty vessels right like they don't even behave as real humans they they are these automatons Directed by Richard Curtis, just to prove on strings, they're just being directed in and pointed towards love, like some sort of moth to a flame, with no expectation or no 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 reason. Just I need love. Let's go get our what what is the line? Let's go get the shit kicked out of us by love. Yeah. Why basically. Why would this six year old or seven year old kid be this wise? Or why would he Why would he be this well, sort of sage-like in his knowledge of, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's. You're right. Like a lot of these characters aren't great characters, but like the their little stories that they tell are really what people take away from it, right? Like in that is Liam Neeson, and now his like his stepson, who he's never been particularly close with yet, mm. grieving over the loss of his mother and then his wife and then bonding over love and like healing together. But it does a great job of showing that even kids like it might not, we might think, Oh, kids are stupid. You don't know what love is, but 
what like you know or whatever like so he is the child character because kids feel love obviously and and it's a different type <laughs> i guess but and then this the love of his life comes back a month later after christmas break and well i think it's only a couple weeks late later <laughs> so there's the <laughs> So there was no real rush, you know. He he could just wait. No, but he's back. And but say, you get caught up in the moment, right? And that's some of the contrived stuff of, of, of that this movie falls into. The it needed to get that airport scene checked off. Yeah, and the movie begins with that, which yeah. I thought was a great bookend to the movie. It works. It's it's very touching because that's just yeah. real people. It it is. It's actual and, footage of people at Heathrow, and Hugh Grant saying, well, "You know, whenever I get depressed, I go to the." It's a nice little Girls. sentiment. I d- no one on earth fucking does that. No. Like, well, I don't think you tell me someone who's that would. a depressed person just going to go to the airport. I just mean, to watch people say hi. Yeah. It, it paints a very rosy picture of everything. But that sort of through line of love being all around us. Love is actually everywhere. everywhere. That's nice. I like it. It's cute. It's optimistic. It is. And the movie sort of shows that, wears that on its sleeve. I just wish it wasn't so stinky, hammy, (laughs) cheese whizzy. Because anytime someone even says the L word in this movie, a little clarinet pops out like. And it's spoon feeding you this shit as if it's I mean, this is this it, is Hallmark. It does it does suffer from being a manufactured experience. Engineered to be sold with a bunch of cheese and wine and you know, watched it it's so perfectly choice that I can't take anything in it seriously. The, the characters don't behave as actual human beings. As you'd mentioned, and as I was saying too, they just are, exist to display this situation, this type of love. Like So, so they, they, they act with the need to fulfill that specific goal, well, not yeah. their own character. And the problem with them being so driven to find love is that a lot of times that comes across as just lust and horniness mm. and and you you say that this movie explores a lot of different kinds of love fair enough but i felt like the majority of the time these characters just wanted to bang the other person and it, they were just literally looking for someone to get it on with because this movie is quite shocking in, in how titillating it is at some points i mean the stand-in stuff with martin freeman i mean there's like an, an extreme amount of nudity in those scenes like like minutes of nudity where they are these stand-ins for a porn film i think uh, I, like so martin freeman and this this actress who he doesn't know I, I i did kind of like this sequence it doesn't work for me because it is so awkward and martin freeman is not the guy for this <laughs> for this scene but he was just coming off the office man so he was all hot in i don't want to see no hobbit being a stand-in with naked butt here i like the idea of these two characters meeting and and their only interaction being on set sort of air naked air humping air humping so that the (laughs) the the camera crew can get all the light angles right and, and basically wait wait for the real porn stars to get in 
and they are they are just there for sort of shot setup and yeah they're just the stand-ins but however the director says okay hump you know we need to get everything right here so they it's all fake so they're they're going through this fake relationship and they're like well to yeah, class, they start like, to develop the oh real my god, one we're falling in love for real thought that was okay i think that's adorable just because of how matter of fact like they're they're naked pretending to have sex like oh yeah how was the road like how, how was driving in today <laughs> yeah yeah it sets up a very interesting relationship um yeah and and the movie i feel like is kind of it's not a gross out comedy but it it is kind of trying to be a little sexier and kind of pushing the boundary i mean i guess that's yeah. england for you uh, yeah, I suppose. There, there's only a few. There's actually, other than that line. They're a little more line, saucy over there, right? Like there's Laura Linney's story. Well, you know what? Actually, no, there's a few saucier. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. You, the, the st- some of this stuff wouldn't get done in America. You know, they're, they're, they're a little more relaxed with nudity and, and sex in, in Europe and England. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but Love Actualized. Is it a good movie? Well, there's a 9-11 reference in the first 60 seconds, so... 2003. This is the most 2003 as fuck (laughs) film ever made. Yeah, I definitely give you that. Um, I forgot that Dido had a song in this. It's like, oh. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that takes me back. It's super 2003. I've watched Lady Bird a month ago or so, and uh, that's set in 2003. And Greta Gerwig, you made a fine film. Y'all didn't come close to actual 2003 because that's love, actually. Uh, I mean, it is in England, so it's slightly different cultural fabric, but this feels dated as hell. And a lot of the characters are dated, especially the female characters who have virtually no agency in the film. None of the none of the decisions that get made in Love Actually are done really by women. I mean, maybe Laura Linney. She feels like she's in control of her character and does she her though? Arc. Like, she Maybe keep, not even. No, you're, that, you're raising an interesting point there because everyone's telling her at her job that every, we all know that you're in love with Carl, the like, guy from the Westworld guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like man, he's way different in Westworld. <laughs> um, but and she tries, but then he makes the move, right? Like he gets them together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the decision maybe that you're referring to that she makes is. To go with, like, to choose her brother over him. But that's, she's already sort of made that decision anyway. Like, I, I don't know. You're, you're right. There but, isn't but a lot. She, of- I feel like she was pursuing him, at least, to, to start, right? The, the, she had the crush on him, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So she, she feels sort of in control of, of what she gets. Or she, she's the, maybe it's just the protagonists of this film. Are all men, perhaps, and 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 the people who are seeking love are mainly dudes. This movie's not really about any of the women finding love. It's it's actually about the men finding love. We're coming from the male perspective almost every time here. That is interesting, actually. I hadn't thought of it that way until you brought that up. Like you're right. It's mostly other than Laura Linney, but even then, Carl comes up and asks her. He he like he makes that move to connect them uh shit right yeah every storyline is the women are rarely in control of anything you know even the colin firth 
love has no language bullshit storyline, which I don't even know why he's on sabbatical. Where is he? Is he? It looks like it's in southern France or something. So he left because no, his, or Portugal. His girlfriend is she's from Portugal, sleeping with his brother. Yeah, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm piecing out. I hate this place. Gonna go write a book. Well, he's a is writer. That, is that what's up? Okay, yeah. Didn't, so didn't he, get that. Didn't one, care. Just needed it. It sounds yeah. It sounds like he goes there all the time to write because he has the housekeeper like just asking okay. if he brought anyone that time. So that's just what he he goes there to work. Uh, yeah, I found that one interesting. Just because I don't get Colin Firth. There's a lot of actors in this that you don't get why they're in this. Well, no, I mean just in general. Oh, in general, I, I, okay, well, okay. I, I know, I know, women love Colin Firth, but I'm not really. I don't. He seems pretty normal to me. It is strange that he is. He's making the swoon. So he swoons so hard. Yeah, but I mean, he just maybe he just has that. Uh, that charm, his charisma score is 20. Whatever. King's but. Speech is an maybe overrated movie, but his performance in it is killer. Yeah. He knows true. what's up, but there's so many people in this movie that feel out of place. Hugh Grant doesn't. He's the prime minister, which I thought was a pretty good character. As soon as we go into 10 Downing Street, and I, I discovered, because I've never seen this shit before, oh, Hugh Grant is the... Prime Minister. Minister. Oh, we're going to find out about his love life along with the rest of these people. This is okay. And when you start to see this tapestry start to come together and each of these threads... See how everybody's related. ...start to cross and you go, okay, this is one big... We're not in Magnolia territory here because fucking nothing is. (laughs) But it is reaching for that. And there is some satisfaction to be had when you see how these characters are related. Oh, this is someone's boss. This is someone's brother. This is someone's sister. Oh, cool. Okay. That thus love actually being all around. Oh yeah. That's actually really good, Mike. So didn't think of that. Yeah. It ties us all together. Yeah. Like a big old tapestry. We're all connected that way. This is really nice. I'm glad we did this, Mike. <laughs> I feel so close to you right now. Yeah. Okay. Merry Christmas. The the Prime Minister, Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackman. No, sorry. Hugh Grant, <laughs> pretty good casting. Even better casting would be Billy Bob Thornton. As the President of the, United, the States. President of the United States. This whole scene doesn't work for me because it's just some ridiculous, childish jealousy which scene triangle. like when he stands up to the president or well so on to summarize what happens it's a very short little plot line that sort Super of short. starts and ends pretty quickly with one day on the set yeah <laughs> billy bob comes in flirts with hugh jackman's love interest who he has really no business having a crush on like it doesn't really it doesn't it looks like he was doing more than flirting though like he was there was maybe a kiss he's trying to kiss her yeah, he was being aggressive. Like, you could tell by the look on her face. So, Hugh Jack, Hugh fucking Grant, pr- Prime Minister Hugh Grant is jealous that his intern is maybe getting a bit bit of cheek love from... I don't think it's jealousy. I think he um, he doesn't like the way the president behaved, a la being a bully and just trying to get whatever he wanted. So... Maybe it's a little jealousy, but I think it's more motivated to be like, well, you fucker. You son of a bitch. Yeah. Okay. That that is a better interpretation of the one I had, which was just, um, oh, you you stole my girl, and I'm going to change my entire foreign (laughs) policy for my entire country, 
just because uh, of that. Yeah. Based on this, yeah, you kissed this girl that I like, which I, I think that's a funnier way to read it. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> that seems like the way politics are these days. So, you know? right, yeah, my notes say Prime Minister changes his foreign policy because he got fucking cock blocked. I don't know. That's how the world works, man. That seems like a 2017 reading. But they these characters are just horny, man. I I'm I'm gonna side with that most of the time. You could take a reading of Love Actually of just these these characters just want to get some ass because a lot of it is based on things they don't really know about. None of the characters talk about uh, being attracted to anyone else's personality. I don't see any of that happening here, right? It's it doesn't necessarily have to do with them talking about what what things they like about the other person uh, as far as their personality goes, right? I like this person because of these things about them. Um, I don't feel like we ever get any of that. Am I wrong? No, that's a valid criticism. Um, There's, it's a superficial movie, right? Yeah. These characters are very superficial. They just love bracelets and and parties and and being sexy and and underwear and stuff. And were were you as confused as I was about the whole like with the prime minister and uh, Natalie? Mm-hmm. Everyone talking about how thick her legs and stuff are. But what we the fuck like okay what? But we also <laughs> never see that. It's like the the script was written that way, and that actress does not look like she. Ha- no, looks like, like a normal person. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, what is what is happening here? Like, is this yeah? That seemed totally out of place. But they also shot her, so it was almost always waist up. And I think it's because her character was supposed to have those uh, characteristics. But the actress but was just a, yeah. she's a normal woman. Like, So they're like, oh, well, okay. Well, I guess we'll just not show her right. legs. <laughs> but, I mean, none of the characters earn anything, right? Like, n- no one really does, other than learn the drums, I guess, no one really earns the love they're seeking. Does and, that make sense? I well, didn't feel like anybody really got what they deserved and, and really worked for it. See, yeah, I, I could see that reading. I'd say that maybe Colin Firth's storyline where they both tried, like, learned each other's languages. Cute. So they put a little bit of effort in. Um, but, like, Hugh Grantman went to... Uh, <laughs> He he. Well, he also put some work in, but only on one night where he knocked on 120 doors. Which I, I didn't mind that. Honestly, that felt like a cool. That might be one part that really couldn't be done if this wasn't a Christmas movie. That's true. Because the, the idea of the prime minister. This works probably much better if you're from England. But think about your political leader spending Christmas up. Eve and saying, "Oh, we're trying to get everybody's doors done tonight by the end of midnight or something." Uh, yeah, I love the idea of, you know, the prime minister <laughs> yeah. knocking on everybody's door and saying Merry Christmas and singing Christmas carols. It's I, a little bit of Christmas magic, right? I also like to think that in in that scene where the little girls are asking Hugh Grant to sing a, a Christmas carol and he starts singing his chauffeur dude or a security guy, the extra. I'd like to think that nobody knew that he like Hugh Jack or uh, Hugh Grant got <laughs> me do, doing it. We're doing it. I'd like to think that Hugh Grant didn't actually know that he could sing that well, because <laughs> his reaction was pretty good. Like he's a decent actor, but uh, it was—it seemed much more genuine that this guy started singing so well beside him. That might be one of the only times I actually did a a real life lull in this film. <laughs> actually, lulled. 
Yeah, really good. Really great singer. And <laughs> just out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. What do you think of uh, Colin? Was that his name? The dude that went off to the US? Yeah, his storyline, I thought That's was... That's definitely just wanting to get laid. 100%. And that has nothing to do with really any of the other storylines in the movie. It doesn't really comment on on anything yeah, particularly he, interesting or about love. I think that's probably the, one of the weakest ones because you're right. It doesn't comment on love. That's if you want to say that that's a different type of love. Well, I, I don't think it no. really falls into that category. And is it a, 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 at first I thought it was about, Oh, American women are stupid, which it might kind of be about, but it's more about the British accent is, having magical is, properties is sexy and yeah. people in other countries just love us because we have a funny accent over there i don't know what I, yeah you know that whole thread was supposed to be about seems... and it just he gets laid and i thought it was a dream like this character actually sleeps with these four beautiful women or five beautiful women i, I, I was i was waiting for it to be a dream sequence and him waking up because his character is such a buffoon and he does nothing to deserve like this five woman orgy with these supermodels at Christmas time. It almost seems like it was what supposed is... to be the whole, you know, if 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 love isn't working out for you, like you're not finding anyone, it's not you, it's them. Like maybe you're just not where you should be. It's such a weird storyline. Like it, it really it really doesn't add anything. It doesn't fit um with the rest of it. I really needed him to wake up in a shitty hotel room with nobody there and maybe like a porno magazine. And, he, and that was all all in his head, right? That that whole sequence of him in that bar with those four girls, it seems so fake. The women are acting like... like you remember at the end of Dumb and Dumber? When the goddamn fucking <laughs> bus shows up and we need guys to oil us up because yeah. we're going to a swimsuit competition, right? And they're like, well, the town that is that way. <laughs> like, that's what it felt like. It was this just you know, fantasy that was actually real and the character does nothing to deserve it. Like most of these assholes. Yeah. And again, I would agree with you. Like that's a valid criticism. When you look at it that way, the, <laughs> that storyline doesn't have anything to do. Like they, I don't, they're not tied in with anyone. Are they? I don't think he's related to anybody else. Um, oh, fuck. I saw some of these webs on, you know, you, the, how everyone's related in love actually. I don't but remember. Doesn't add and yeah, like so. Martin Freeman shows up to work. Hugh Jackman goes to a street. Hugh Grant, sorry. Yep, Hugh Grant. You fucked did it. you right you, up. You really, yeah. You fucked. We're done. Uh, although I, I would love to see <laughs> Hugh Jackman would be great as the prime He's minister. Too good too. for this. Um, now I'm. Where the fuck am I? <laughs> what are the other storylines? Andrew Lincoln's character is problematic for me in this. Well, very because we don't get. First of all, it's unfair what he does to Kira Knightley, this married woman, and he shows up at her yeah, door with that this, is a with this like dick move. straight up stealth, creepy. That only works if you're to like his best friend. Yeah, and what if like, you're a creepy guy? Like, what if you're not Andrew Lincoln and you look like a stud? Like, what if you know just some random dude showing what, up with what, cue you, cards like that? If you're a creepy guy, this We're, doesn't work, and you start dropping Bruce Springsteen cue cards and shh, don't let your husband. For Christ's sake, your husband, who is also my best friend, who's in the house right now, know that I'm out here s sending you this message that is unfair to a married woman, and we don't get any setup of whether or not Kira Knightley even gives a shit about this guy, right? So, 
we're supposed to, is there some backstory that we don't get where Kira Knightley married the wrong man and she really loved Andrew, like Walking Dead guy the whole time? No. We don't get any of that. We, so when there's that amazing moment, which by the way, everybody seems to love and like it's some notebook level romantic cinematic moment. I it, It's parodied all the time and it's this, I thought it was going to be a way more character the, the way it relates to the characters is so ridiculous i i can't believe it's such an iconic scene because i don't buy these characters as as this scene relates to them in the movie i thought it would have had way more impact well and i think it would have way, way more impact if he was not like if he's doing that to a, an available woman <laughs> like yeah just, um yeah they needed to get an unrequited storyline in here, but they didn't need to wind it up this way. Like, this is a bad... It's a bad storyline, yeah. right? Like, Kira Knightley kisses him as a reward. It's like, maybe in another universe we could have been yeah, together. Yeah, it's just like, you know what? I appreciate that. I'm I'm staying with Chiwetel Ejiofor because he's way more badass than you are. And... He's got awesome power. He's in Doctor Strange. Yeah. And... It, <laughs> Uh, and then he's like, okay, you know what? That's enough. Great. Fine. Whatever. Unrequited. You 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 said what you needed to say. And he says it too, right? Okay. Yeah. He says something. That's enough. Yeah. Right? Like, enough. Enough now. So it's like he got it out. Like he, he told them. Uh, it's just, it it is, it, that was super selfish of him. Yeah. I got, he might have fucked these, this whole marriage and mm-hmm. the friend dynamic up just, just because of that. And it's a good thing Kira Knightley is responsible and not impulsive. Yeah. Right? She she could have ran off with him and, you know, I don't, I don't know what that whole thing is supposed to be because Kira Knightley doesn't behave in a like way. A person? Well, we don't really know. We don't really know. And if the movie had done more work to set that up, then that could have had a little more of a bittersweet sort of feeling to it or instead of it has no context because we don't know how Kira Knightley feels about this guy. That's true. Um, she, he filmed her at the wedding and just got super creepy. Super creepy. This is not acceptable shit, right? You can't... Super creepy. You can't do this, right? Like, I honestly... The think- wedding video, I did, I did like that he couldn't share it with her because he was so embarrassed of it because yeah. it's humiliating. I would... I- would it, it wouldn't have been quite as creepy if it wasn't like super close up on her face the whole time and her it's mouth like, eating cake yeah, and like, whatnot, uh, dude. Hmm. But um, actually, that a, a thought has popped into my head while we've been discussing this. This is like a Zack Snyder movie. I was gonna say that. Were you? <laughs> In the fact that it's full of all of these moments that are unearned. Like Zack Snyder is known for that, right? Like he'll have these epic shots that we just have, we haven't earned them, we haven't built up to them. There's so they're cool, but there's no impact. This doesn't have quite as much of that. Like I, I think there is some of this is earned. Like the, this is a universe, not universally, but a widely loved movie because people like the way these stories turn out. But not all of them work. This one in particular is just. All, you're right, we don't know anything about these characters. It's just a bunch of moments that haven't been earned. And that's what we're witnessing. Yeah, that the same thing happens with Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman. Yeah, and that's the problem with this. When you have a cast of 11 billion people... People get sidelined very heavily in this, where they're almost ignored altogether. 
and they show up at the end in this very lazy, just shoehorn everyone back in. They're all coming back at the airport again. Yeah. And from then, God knows where. We, some of the characters are at the airport. We don't even know where they went. They just are coming back from somewhere. Or I, I guess it seems like everybody is at the airport. They all sort of, I think they all kind of make sense. Because little girl went off back to the U.S. for mm-hmm. Christmas. Uh, Colin Firth had gone off to Portugal or whatever uh, what's-her-name was, and came back with her. Yeah, uh, all of these people rushed into this shit, like, in, in less than six weeks, we're yeah. all, where people are married and they've learned languages. This is my big problem with lots of romantic comedies in general, and not even just romantic comedies, stories that have, or movies that have a romantic plot line are super rushed, usually, like, super compressed. And sometimes that's fine, but when all of this is happening in like a six week period, while everybody, it's, a little, it's a little hard to swallow. While everyone was getting their Christmas shopping done, we fell in love, learned languages, learned how to play drums, uh, yeah, yeah, moved mountains with our love that we did not earn, that we just repeated uh, the mantra of let's get the shit kicked out of us by love. <laughs> And uh, that'll be enough. If I if I wish for love hard enough, then I'll get it and deserve it, right? I don't have to do anything in order to... That is a bit of a problem. So, like, to hammer that point home, Liam Neeson meets <laughs> Claudia Schiffer at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, just out of nowhere. Which he mentions that he wants... Except she's not actually Claudia Schiffer. She's someone else. She's, yeah. And he, it's bizarre. I don't... I don't that, that was... I'm glad that... Yeah, you were meant, I thought I was dreaming that, but he does. He does mention that he wants the real Claudia Schiffer. Yeah, this is this is problematic in many ways. Um, I didn't hate the movie, but it is not good. Yeah, I think that, that's fair. And, I, I can give you that. Um, I haven't even thought of a score. I, Ooh, this I, is I, a hard one to score. It is. It is. I I can't go any higher than a five. Okay. Want to go lower? Um, it has its charms. It's it's got its funny, titillating, sexy angle to it. It's it's got its magnolia pulp fiction angle to it. The tapestry gets woven. There's some satisfaction to be had in just that alone. To me, I'm gonna give it some bonus points just because I'm a bit of a sap. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can forgive some of these faults. I think I'm gonna give it a seven. Ooh. Really? Yeah. And why is that? Because uh, I enjoy myself when I watch it. Wait, le- that sounds weird. I enjoy it. <laughs> I pleasure myself when I watch it. Uh, no, I just enjoy watching it. It makes my my heart feel happy, typically, because there's a lot of great moments. It's a good moments collection. It is a Hallmark card that moves, uh, and I like that every now and then. I just wish that love wasn't treated like this magical, spiritual, little fluttery Disney force that hypnotizes characters um, in in such a juvenile way and then they're so just none of them act in, in any believable sort of way. The characters behave lustfully and they're convinced that their lustfulness is 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 love. is love because the clarinet sound effect is going <laughs> while they're 
looking at the hot girl wearing the miniskirt. Yeah. Well, could you, to be fair, could you imagine if that happened to you in your life? Like, if you were the prime minister and your no, if, your if, intern if, if, was if clarinet, like wearing a tight dress. Oh my goodness, what would you do? No, if the clarinet just followed you around and started playing music, <laughs> whenever you, you thought just, about a girl, you just you, look over at, at a woman and it's like, <laughs> like, oh shit, okay, all of a sudden things are amplified. The the yeah the audio cue of when love is in the air it's that's literally what's happening they, this might as well be a Disney movie and when love is in the air around the characters it should just go f- straight super califragilistic and we have animated like d- characters and hearts and shit drawn on the screen floating around people's heads and uh yeah Deadpool right those little. <laughs> Those little characters come That'd out of his be, brain. That would be awesome. Uh, I just thought of one more thing as to why I think I'm giving it a little higher score than a little higher score. Um, how it's Denise it, Richards, how, how, right? No, fuck, she's terrible. <laughs> how it begins and ends. Uh, it's it's sappy, and it seems like almost an accidental. I mean, it's not accidental, but like accidentally more effective than it was meant to be because it just leaves you with a good feeling at the end of the movie, at least it does for me, where you're seeing these real people just with real joy. Uh, and so that magnifies the whole experience because it starts off with that mm-hmm. and it ends with that. And you know everyone's playing at these contrived scenarios in the middle, but they're trying to represent that. So it just it leaves a happy feeling in me. It does for me as well. And those 60 seconds that you get on either end of this movie are actually more authentic than any of the characters' actions. I was going to say, it's like the James Cameron Titanic effect, where the most touching moment of Titanic was actually the band deciding to continue playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's the drama, and it's coming from an unexpected place. Although this is real, and seeing that is just... It puts in... It's in such contrast with how fucking... Bullshit! All of the characters behave <laughs> that and how is, that's fair. That's unrealistically, fair. they behave. It's 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 frustrating to me how hollow these characters behave. Uh, it's all you know. It must right? it must strike some sort of nostalgic string with people. It's really what because it, is. it because it well that and but it also covers so many scenarios that people can at least relate to one or two of these. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh man, yes. That's how I felt. So it's not so much about those characters as it is just affirming that this is what people deal with. I think like these are situations that everyone has encountered. You can find right? something to relate to, yeah. even though it is a, a movie set in England, which I think maybe has something to do with why people like... Because it's, it's romanticized, right? Like it's, oh, beautiful London in... Yeah. The, it's One of Christmas. the dirtiest cities in the world. Well, I mean, Christmas and London and Christmas Carol and having that being synonymous with yeah the holidays and that beauty of I wonder you know what the first snow and all I would that. love if anybody is listening from the UK I'm sorry if I insulted you when I said <laughs> London's one of the dirtiest cities in the world I don't know I've just heard that uh, how does love actually hold up there like is it as beloved in England, in England as it is here because I don't think so, I don't think so. You, well, I be, it I, might be I would love to it know might be. I would love to know Richard Curtis the he they did that red nose thing. Yeah, recently. there was there was a semi sequel short film. Um, he's the fellow who also did uh, in time. No, about time. 
Okay. Is that what it's called? Domino Gleason and yeah. Rachel McAdams and they're yeah. fucking around in time. He also did the boat that rocked pirate radio. I think is the alternate title for that. Um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. He's written a lot more than he's directed. That is our review of love. Actually. However, if you've seen the movie, which I'm sure you have email us verticalviewing at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Does the movie hold up? Are you in England? Does this movie work? Do you think we've been unfairly critical? I don't think... I think we've given a pretty fair chance here, so... I haven't... You, you gave it a fair chance. You uh, Did I? Yeah, man. I think I did. I think you did. I think I did. Yes. Let us know. Verticalviewing at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Next week is a big show. It's the a Last Jedi. Big show. It's Star Wars The Last Jedi from Ryan Johnson... This thing is huge. It's also our 150th show. It's a big one. So, so we're having a little pizza party. We're going to get all fat. We're going to give you this episode. I think the Big Lebowski review might also be coming next Ooh. weekend or the week after. That's for our patrons, of course. If you go to patreon.com slash vertical viewing. You can listen to it for a dollar. You can listen to it for a dollar. You can suggest our next review for $2 or $3. That is our hydrogen, helium, or lithium level subscriptions which are available. Yeah, let us know what you want us to review. You uh, you can also go to verticalviewing.com if you just want to have a short-term relationship with us. If you're not into that long-term stuff, click the donate button. Nice little yellow pay now. Yeah, pay, PayPal. That'll get you in. You can click whatever you want. It's Dogecoins. Uh, Bitcoin is at like 17000 per coin right now. So give us one. <laughs> just one. Like, it's easy. Just give us one Bitcoin. It's no big deal. Oh, cryptocurrency. Right? You're Vert- so weird. <laughs> Verticalviewing.com is also where you can find the latest article that I've written. That's, it's a gooder. Yeah, that's about Christopher Nolan's necklace TV. He's a, a high-tech guy, but he works in a low-tech way. And if you have a Casio wireless television and you're near his film set, you just tune into the right channel and you can watch some Christopher Nolan behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go to verticalviewing.com. Check that out. Email us, verticalviewing at gmail.com or Twitter at verticalviewing. Don't you dare go to our Instagram. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's broken. It's dormant. You can still check it out. We'll have to restart it again yeah. and get banned all over again. I look forward to it. Where can we find you on the internet? I'm at Michael R. Lind on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it. Okay. I'm at Scott Wilson BC. It's two L's. Uh, the show is at Vertical Viewing, like I said. Are there any final thoughts? I mean, you go to iTunes, right? You can subscribe there so you never miss a show ever. You automatically get everything we do. Yep. Leave us a five-star review. Go to Google Play if you need that. Tune in Radio, Stitcher, wherever the podcast seeps. Everywhere on the internet. It, it's it shows up in weird places. The dark corners, yeah. What are your final thoughts, uh, we didn't really talk about Bill Nye's. Uh, he gets naked and plays yeah. guitar, and he's kind of. I, a, I thought that was one of the more fully fleshed out storylines, actually. Yeah, his manager and him—that yeah. was kind of fun, and I—I I, I really like him. He's great as the Squid Guy and or, or Davy Jones. Davy Jones. Yeah. Also, keep it as vertical or something, or Victor in the Underworld series. Oh, get the fuck out. <laughs>